Jai, Matura Dhamma Ki Jai, Navadweep Maya Pur Dhamma Ki Jai, Jagannath Puri Dhamma Ki Jai, Ganga Maya Jamuna Devi Ki Jai, Bhakti Devi Ki Jai, Tulsi Maharani Ki Jai, Samaveta Bhaktarinda Ki Jai, Gaur Premanam. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Garanga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale. Sri Mathe Bhaktivedanta Swami Nichinamani. Namaste Saraswati Deve. Gauravani. Pacharane Nirvasesa Sanyavadi Paskatyadi Sitana. Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Uta Padakamalam Shri Guru Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagana Raghunatham Vitam Stam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sadvadutam Vadijana Saita Krishna Chaitanya Deva Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakam Vitam Shaka Chakapati Vishcha Kripasim Deva Chapati Tanam Pavane Vyo Vaishnavi Mahama Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So it's August 23rd, 19, 2023. Sorry about that. Can you tell how old I am? And we're in Radha Desha reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 51, The Deliverance of Muchaklinda, text 57. This, this pastime is given by Rupa Goswami as an example of how Krishna is so intelligent, how that he arranged for Kaliyavana to be killed by Muchaklinda. So in this text 57, Chiram, for a long time, Iha, in this world, Rijina, by disturbances, Artaha, distress, Tapyamanaha, tormented, Anutapai, with remorse, Avritcha, unsatiated, Shat, six, Amitraha, whose enemies, the five senses and the mind. Alabdha, not attaining. Shantihi, peace. Katanchit, by some means. Sharana, of shelter. Da, O bestower. Samupetaha, who have approached. Twat, your. Para abjam, lotus feet, para atman, O supreme soul, abayam, fearless, ritam, the truth, ashokam, free from sorrow, pahi, please protect, ma, me, apanam, who am confronted with dangers. Isha, O oh Lord. So Krishna has said to Muchakunda, what did he say to him? You can 
You can have whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. So, you know, sometimes they have these kind of prizes in a store. Like you just get an empty shopping cart and you have an hour to go through the store and get whatever you want. So, just imagine for a moment that we're looking at the entire, everything, material, spiritual world, everything. You can have whatever you want. And so this is the end of his prayer. BBT translation. For so long, I have been pained by troubles in this world and have been burning with lamentation. My six enemies, who are the six enemies? Mind and the senses are never satiated. Does Krishna have a verse like that in the Bhagavad Gita? It's never satisfied and it burns like fire. Very similar. Burning with lamentation. My six enemies are never satiated and I can find no peace. I can find no what? Peace. Peace. Therefore, O giver of shelter, O supreme soul. That was the word that really messed up the meter. Did you notice that? The supreme soul word? No, what was the, what's the supreme soul word? Paratman. Paratman. That was the one word that was really like, it had like too many syllables in that line. O supreme soul, please protect me. What's the Sanskrit word here for protection? Pahi. O Lord, in the midst of danger, I have by good fortune approached your lotus feet, which are the truth and which make one fearless and free from sorrow. Without looking, what are the three things he said about the feet? Krishna's feet. Fearless, without sorrow, and truth. Okay, so there's no BBT purport. So we are going to go with your kind indulgence to Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's commentary. Go ahead and enjoy sense gratification, and when that is finished, I will personally give you the service of my feet. So Vishnu Chakravarti, he likes doing this in his commentaries. You notice that? He likes adding dialogue. So he's adding this as Krishna's dialogue. Fearing such enticement from Krishna. Does Krishna, who, who did Krishna give benedictions like this to? Enjoy sense gratification, at the end you'll go back to Godhead. To whom did he give such benedictions? Dhruva, who else? Prahlad, who else? Chitraketu, although I got him in trouble. Florist in Mathura. Yeah. I was once teaching a class at a Sunday feast and someone said, why can't we have both? <laughs> so Krishna sometimes gives that benediction. You can enjoy the material world to the fullest extent and at the end go back to God. The Prachetas, I think. Also. Fearing such enticement from Krishna, Murchakunda clasps the Lord's feet so Jiva Goswami is saying that when Richakunda is offering this, give me shelter at your feet, he's not just saying, give me shelter at your feet. He's going forward and grabbing them. And 
offers this prayer. I have been pained by such disturbances as the eagerness of inimical opponents who wanted to defeat me in battle. Have we ever had eager, inimical opponents who wanted to defeat us? Who's ever had an eager, inimical opponent who wanted to defeat you? I have. Hurry, hurry. I am burning with repentance. How many of us have burned with repentance over something we did wrong? Me? For all this time, I have not worshipped you. There is no cessation of the desire for enjoyment of the six senses of eye, ear, nose, tongue, skin, and mind. Who has this problem? Me? Can I have one more piece of cheesecake? No, please, no. <laughs> Neither do I find any peace by my own intelligence. Do we try to use our intelligence to become peaceful? Does it always work? No. Nor by the knowledge given by others. Do we try to find peace from the knowledge given by others? Yeah? Does it always work? No. Oh, I think we have a similar problem to this King Wichakunda. If sense gratification is given to me, even if you give it, I will again become entangled like this because that is the nature of material enjoyment. Therefore, do not give that enjoyment. Now, we do have instances like where Krishna tells Prahlad, you won't be disturbed. You'll have material enjoyment, but it won't disturb you. Or we have when Krishna gave a lot of enjoyment to Sudama Brahmana. And why do our acharyas say he gave a lot of sense gratification to Sudama Brahmana? This is a trick question. He was too attached to? No, he was too attached to? Vairagya. Remember, Vairagya is one of the six opulences. Many times devotees think vairagya is an anti-opulence. It's not. It's one of the six opulences, and you can enjoy it as boga just as much as you can enjoy any of the other ones as boga. And you can enjoy any of them as prasad. So Sudama Brahmana was enjoying his vairagya as boga. So Krishna took it away. Isn't that funny? Usually we think of the other opulences of things that Krishna can take away easily. Easy for Krishna to take away beauty, right? That's really easy. All you have to do is live long enough. And that's gone. Right? It's easy for Krishna to take away wealth, control, fame, community. Are those easy things for Krishna to take away? Strength, health. They can all be taken away in two seconds. And we think, Vairagya, well, that I, that I got it. It's my internal detachment, I've got it. But Krishna said, Haha, you don't get to keep that either. So sometimes Krishna gives, I am the sound in ether. So sometimes Krishna gives material enjoyment with the proviso that a person will not become attached, but uh, King Muchakunda said, I don't, I don't want to take that risk. He said, O oh, super soul who resides in everyone and therefore knows everything, I have taken shelter of your lotus feet. The fear of enemies and disease comes along with winning the treasures of the earth. He had experience of this because he was the king of the earth. The treasure, so he was saying, that's the earth. If I get everything on earth, 
I'm going to be afraid of enemies and disease. Then the treasures of heaven include impermanence. So I don't want that either. And the treasure of merging in Brahman cheats one of the service of your lotus feet. So he hit earth pleasure, heaven pleasure, Brahman pleasure. The treasure of your feet, however, award fearlessness, freedom from lamentation, and eternal life. So what's the word here that Jiva Goswami is interpreting as eternal life? Ritam, truth. In your loving service, therefore please protect me who am afflicted with calamity and keep me sheltered at your lotus feet. So I don't think I have time to read both Sanatana and Jiva's, which is a little bit, a little different. I think I'll read Jiva's. Commentary. Now you should not disregard me. Protect me completely. He speaks with humility. Suffering from the experience of sins and samsara for a long time, suffering from lamentation after the exhaustion of pious results, I have not attained peace or steadiness of heart happiness by any means, or I have not attained peace by any cause discernible without effort, or by any cause which can be directly perceived. I have come close to you. The Lord's suitability is described. O giver of shelter, you give shelter according to your promise. Artanam sharanam dvaham. I am the shelter for the sufferers. Bhagavatam 11, 26, 33. Now this is an interesting statement, and both Sanatana and Jiva make this statement. You should not say that shelter is dependent on bhakti to you because you are the inspiration for bhakti. So that's very important, and I, I strongly considered structuring my whole class around that sentence because this is the sentence that's the basis for Arjuna's question in the beginning of the 12th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. But I will leave that for some other speaker at some other time. But in other words, the point is here, you don't have to, have already, you don't have to already start bhakti before you can start bhakti. <coughs> bhakti. Bhakti is the cause of bhakti. That's, we won't, I don't think we'll touch that, but it was very tempting. Paratman, you should give what is according to the glory of your lotus feet and nothing else. He describes Krishna's lotus feet with three descriptive phrases. They are free from sorrow, free from fear, and full of truth. Please protect me by engaging me in service since you are affectionate to the fallen. In humility, he again speaks. I am surrendered. You alone can do this, Isha. Tiramiha virginatas tapyaman omutapair avrit sasad amito labasan timkanan chit katan chit sharanada samupetas twat padabja paratman abayam ritam ashokam paki ma panam isha. For so long, I've been pained by troubles in this world and have been burning with lamentation. My six enemies are never satiated and I can find no peace. I can find no peace. Therefore, O giver of shelter, O supreme soul, please protect me. O Lord, in the midst of danger, I have by good fortune approached your lotus feet, which are the truth and which make one fearless and free from sorrow. Krishna says we cannot be happy without peace. He says there's no possibility of happiness without peace. Suppose I give you a plate of your favorite food. What's your favorite prasadam? What do you really like? 
What would you pay a lot of money for? <laughs> what would be the perfect birthday meal? And you've got this in front of you. And you're surrounded by people you really love and who love you, really close friends. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. The birds are singing, the sun is shining, there's a breeze blowing, not too hot, not too cold. There's a live band playing your favorite bhajans in your favorite tune, expert singers. And the flowers have beautiful scents that are flowing through the air. And standing behind you is a police officer with a warrant to throw you in jail for a crime you didn't commit. Could you enjoy anything? There's a very, very famous story about Damocles. You've heard of Damocles? Damocles was a king. And he had a friend who was envious and said, how come you get to be the king? You get to enjoy so many things. And Damocles says, you know what? You can be king for a day. There was a show when I was a child called Queen for a Day. So anyway, you can be king for a day. Go ahead, enjoy all the royal opulence. And the guy is all enthusiastic, and he sits down in Damocles' seat, and again, you know, the feast and the entertainers and everything. And then at a certain point, while he's enjoying, he happens to look at the ceiling, and he sees that there's a sword hanging from the ceiling by a thread. What's that? He said, that comes along with being king. <laughs> so all of us have existential unpeace, ashantihi we have, alabdashantihi. At any moment, we can die. It doesn't matter how young you are. We all know young people who die. In a moment, they didn't think they were going to die, and poof, they were dead. With no notice, And we all know it can happen to me. All I have to do is get in the car, walk down some stairs. Poof, gone, everything. We all know we can lose our money instantly, especially since most of our money is just numbers on a computer screen. We can lose our health. Again, we know people. We all know of someone that they were healthy one day I had a good friend of mine at the beginning of the pandemic who got COVID and died like within two days. Nobody even knew she was sick. We, we all know we can get a disease, die and finish, or, be, or get crippled, end up in a wheelchair, end up with brain injury. One devotee friend of mine had a stroke. I mean, Thankfully, he's gotten most everything back, but he had to struggle for, for five years. You know, he lost his language. He lost it. So we have this existential fear, and if that's not enough, modern society is constantly making us fearful, constantly making us insecure. Do you have the right kind of hair? Is it the right color? Does it flow in the right way? Do you have the right kind of car? Have you worried yet about how fat your cheeks are? everything. See this television show? See what the people there have? See their loving relationships? Do you have that? <laughs> and then we're constantly in, oh my God, I've got to get the latest watch, and the latest phone, and the latest car, and the latest this, and I don't have the right shoes, and I don't have the right hair, and I don't have the right husband, and I don't have the right this. 
as if we didn't have already enough anxiety with birth, death, old age, and disease. So what are the opposites of peace? Can you give me some, some words that are the opposites of peace? Hmm? Anxiety? Some others? Huh? War? Okay, didn't think of that one. Fear? Stress? Restlessness? Hell. Okay. Boredom. Boredom. Oh, I like that. What are some other ones? I didn't bring any sweets to give out today. Bad, bad. What are some other ones? Chaos. Hmm? Chaos. Stress. Do you all know what chaos means? Because it's pronounced very differently than it's spelled. So if you learned English with spelling, that C-H-A-O-S, you might be pronouncing it chaos or something, but it, the word is chaos. Huh? In German, it's cows. <laughs> Anger is also the opposite of peace. Right? Sadness. Wow. Envy. Envy. Yeah. How, what percentage of our days are filled with one of these? A lot. All right. So we're going to look at what people do to try to counteract these things, what people try to do to get peace, and then we're going to look at how to actually get peace. So, materially, how do people try to get peace? They try to get enough money. We have a a nice section in our Career Dharma book about charity, and how people often don't want to give charity because they don't think they have enough money. And this one man who had like 50 million pounds said, you know, when I get to like 100 million pounds, then I'll feel secure enough to give charity. So if if I get enough money, if I marry the right person, if I build myself the kind of house that I want, if I invest my money in securities, isn't that an interesting name for it? Right? If I've got money invested in securities. If I do the right... If I have the right job with the right boss in the right place, if I get the right car, if I take the right herbs every day, if I do the right exercises every day, right? all these things, if I get the right friends if I have a loving family, if I go on the perfect vacation, then I'll be peaceful. And we keep thinking like this, don't we? Even if we're in the Hare Krishna movement. We think like this. Sometimes this translates into, if I could just spend Kartik in Vrindavan, if I could just go to the festival with that Maharaj, if I could just go to that kirtan event, if I could just chant more rounds, if I had just gotten this Shastra degree, then I'll be peaceful. Then there's karma yoga. So what does Krishna say about karma yoga? He says in the 12th chapter of the Gita that if you renounce the fruits of your work, you will find peace. That the end of renunciation comes 
peace. So in karma yoga, people try to work in a mood of detachment. That everything I'm doing, I'm doing for liberation or I'm doing for the supreme. Now, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says that the problem with karma yoga are the wasps. We talk about this in our Essence Seekers book. The hornets in India, they have very big hornets, especially in Bengal. And wasps are a hierarchical creature. So the problem with doing karma yoga is you can forget that you're doing karma yoga and fall back into karma kanda. And you can start thinking, I am a brahmana. I am a Vaishya, I am a woman, I am a man, I am married, I am a renunciate, I am, I am, I am, and get into a hierarchical mood. Then there's Gyan Yoga. Gyan Yoga is people try to achieve peace by detachment, freedom from attachment and aversion. I am the observer. As all of these anti-peace emotions go through me, all these ones we mentioned, restlessness, boredom, fear, anger, anxiety, worry, sadness, as they go through me, I just see that they're going through me. The other day I was walking down the street having a conversation and this huge construction vehicle drove by and we just had to wait till it passed by before we could continue our conversation. So that's Gyan Yoga. I am not the mind, I am not the senses, I am not my thoughts, I am not my feelings, I am not, my, I am not the desires. Right? And just observing them and being in a state of peace. Okay, what's the problem with Gyan Yoga are the Yakshas, Mahaprabhu says. So the Yakshas are nature spirits. And they can bewilder one with all kinds of strange philosophies. And one can get into what Prabhupada calls mental speculation. Uh, so the, pro- the other problem with Gyan Yoga, of course, is what we'll come into with the other three kinds of yoga. Then there's Dhyan Yoga. So in Dhyan Yoga, how do people try to find peace? By making the mind sleepy. Having the mind go to sleep. So by breathing in a certain way and by sitting in a certain way, by following do's and do nots in life, one can practice, our human body is arranged so that mechanically we can put our body into a state of trance where the mind says, I think I'll take a little nap right now. And the intelligence is still active. And you fix the intelligence on the self or on the Lord and one experiences Peace. Now the problem there, Mahaprabhu says, is the snake. And we see that people who get into Dhyan Yoga, sometimes they develop mystic potencies, sometimes they get very entranced by the snake of, what's the snake in Dhyan Yoga? What's the snake in meditative yoga? The Kundalini. They They think, I am, I am God. They become bewildered. And then in bhakti yoga, how do we find peace? Hmm? By being in anxiety for Krishna. Okay, well, you're jumping ahead here. How do we find peace? There, there is a stage of peace in bhakti that is the foundation of all the other rasas. And Rupa Goswami says very clearly, that one cannot attain a realization of the higher rasas without this level, and that is shantaras, which means literally the rasa of peace. 
So there are some devotees who want to eternally be in Shantaras. Many of the residents of Vaikuntha are eternally in Shantaras. And even some of the residents of Vrindavan are in Shantaras, the buildings and the flowers. Uh, but without this Shantaras of peace, so Shantaras is understanding exactly what he says here, Pada Atman, understanding the super soul. Right? And we have this nice verse in the Bhagavad Gita about how we attain this. Bhaktiram Yagatapasam, Sarva Loka Maheshram, Suridam Sarva Bhutanam, Gyatvamam Shanti Rishiti. One attains peace. <coughs> Trying to be in anxiety for Krishna without having attained this peace often just is disguised ordinary anxiety. Where we think something is bhakti that it's not. By the way, there is an obstacle also in bhakti, and does anyone know what that obstacle is? We have the hornets in karma yoga, we have the yakshas in gyan yoga, we have the snake in dhyan yoga. Does anyone know what the obstacle is in bhakti yoga? Oh, well, something that look the weeds, the weeds. But there's a bigger obstacle because the, the the weeds are a problem, but there's a major obstacle. The elephant. Yes, the elephant. So the obstacle in bhakti is you think, I'm on the path of devotion and I'm more devoted than you. (laughs) Or my group is more devoted than your group. Sectarianism. You know, my community is a higher level of devotion than your community. And I'm more devoted than you. And then everything gets spoiled. Okay. So how do we attain this peace in bhakti? And it is significant that Jiva and Sanatana say that you don't have to first be doing bhakti to do this. It's not that you have to be very qualified in bhakti to do this. You can do this immediately. And that is to take shelter of the Lord's... What's Makunda taking shelter of? What's Yukunda taking shelter of? The Lord's... Feed the Lord's feet. Now, of course, this is literal. This is actually literal. Do we have, if you need to stretch, we have a chair. Would be more suitable if you can sit on a chair. That would be. That would be. This is not considered so respectful in the temple. So there's a chair if you need to stretch, or you can stand up or something like that. So this is literal. Right, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says that Muchakunda literally went, grabbed the Lord's feet, but it is also metaphorical, taking shelter of the Lord's feet. This doesn't mean that all of us have to run up after the class and dive onto the altar and, and grab Gopinath's feet, literally like that. But we were reading how in the Vishwarupa that Krishna's feet give protection from fear. Yes. And we thought about how when we're walking, our feet give us stability. And the feet being the the bottom part of the body, when one falls at the feet, it's a sign of submission, isn't it? Yes? It's It's a metaphorical, figurative sign of submission. But it's also on a practical level. If you think of like when animals submit, they lie down and often they'll turn on their back, they'll expose their their vulnerable part. Yes? When, when we fall at someone's feet, we become completely vulnerable. Am I correct? Yes? Just like if the police want to make someone vulnerable, they, they tie their hands behind their back. 
But if it's a really bad criminal, they'll also tie up their feet. And if it's a really bad criminal, they'll put something on their face. And when you, you're fallen on the ground, you, you really don't, I mean, unless you're an incredible martial arts person who can jump up in a second and disable your enemy from the ground. I don't think any of us are in that category. So generally, if you fall on the ground, you have disabled yourself, basically. You have taken away, you have voluntarily given up all of your power. And you're putting yourself at the will of somebody else. So generally, we don't like to do this. We don't usually like to bow down to anyone. But this taking shelter of the Lord's feet is like this. It's, it's a mood of great submission and humility and trust, isn't it? To fall down at someone's feet indicates that you're trusting them. Yes. And he's saying, if I do this, I will have peace. If I do this, I will have peace. And anything else you're offering me will not give me peace. I've already tried it, and it doesn't work. And I'm scared that if I try it again, I'll just fall back into all these problems again. So why do the Lord's lotus feet give one peace? So he mentioned three things that we get from the Lord's lotus feet. Anybody remember what they are? Hmm? That's true, but that's not in this verse. Sorry. Truthfulness, which Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur lost as. Anybody remember? Eternal life. Excellent. I should have brought my sweet balls, Malaysia. Okay, and what else do the lotus feet give? Fearlessness. And what else? One more. It's in the Sanskrit. Freedom from sorrow, ashokam. Ashokam. Abayam, vritam, ashokam. Abayam, freedom from fear, which is one of the opposites of peace. Freedom from lamentation or sadness, which is another opposite of peace. And vritam, truth. So eternal life and truth. If I get eternal life and truth, why would that free me from all of those anti-peace things. Why would that give me peace if I get eternal life of truth? You have a different perspective. A very different perspective. What perspective do you have? Bhaktivedan Maharaj uh, wrote about how when he was newly joined the Hare Krishna movement in Russia and the KGB were really after him because he was their best translator from English to Russian. The previous translators were sincere but bad. They were sincere really bad translators. They were translating servant to slave, and we're amazed that anybody became a devotee reading those translations. So they really wanted Bhaktivedan Maharaj, and not that many people in Russia in those days knew English. It wasn't like a popular thing in the Soviet Union to know English. So they were really after him, and he had a meeting with this big KGB guy, and he was terrified. And then there was one of the devotees, he said it was a woman who was very short and very small. A little, little lady. 
And she said, why are you afraid? You're not that body. And he's like, if this little lady can be so courageous, then I can be courageous. And he had this, he all of a sudden got filled with this sense of, I'm not this body. I am not this body. I'm not this mind. What am I having unpeace about? It's all that, isn't it? Something's going to happen to my body. Something's going to happen to my mind. Something's going to happen to everything in relationship with my body and mind, and that something is going to be bad. And that's absolutely true. It is actually true. Bad things are going to happen to our body and to our mind and to everything in relation with it, absolutely guaranteed. Guaranteed. And there's things I don't like about my body, and there's things I don't like about my mind, and there's things I don't like about And I can't fix all of them. But if I, it's not, not me, it's not me. If you've ever read any near-death experiences, one of the things that jumps out at me from them is the people who their body's dead, and they rise above their body, and they look at the dead body lying on the street or the operating table or whatever, and they think, that person's really in bad shape. A lot of accounts are like that. God, what happened to that person? Sheesh, that was a bad accident. And it usually takes them a while before they're like, oh, that's my body over there. We have Maharaj Chitraketu. When his son died, and then by the mercy of Narada, the soul came back into the body. Oh, my dear boy, your parents are lamenting for you. Come back and enjoy. My parents? Who here is my parents? I have had so many parents in so many lives. In which life were you my mother and father? the parents feel when they heard that? I'm not quite sure. Whoa. It had nothing to do with this. It's a dream. It's a dream. It's a computer game. Or I have an avatar in the computer game and in the computer game I'm killing monsters and I'm getting riches and all these things. It has nothing to do with me. It's just a game. It's a monopoly game. It has anything to do with me. I'm eternal. I can't be hurt by anything, anything at all. I can't be hurt physically, I can't be hurt mentally, I can't be hurt socially, I can't be hurt in any way. Would that give us peace? Would that be peaceful? I'm okay. It's just a movie I'm watching. It's not me. Next thing. Freedom from lamentation. The opposite of lamentation is joy. And now we get to Yadarani's thing. So above Shantaras, above peace, above neutrality, is Lila. And what's really interesting, and this is where the Bhakti Yogis have the advantage over the Karma Yogis, the Gan Yogis, and the Dhyan Yogis. We have play. They just have peace. And although we can't have happiness without peace, peace in and of itself is not happiness. It's just the foundation. 
Brahmanohi Pratistaham Amritastya the basis of happiness, but it is not in and of itself happiness, is it? I'm just peace. Are you happy? I'm just peaceful. It's the start, it's the basis. And when you go above neutral peace, you get to intense emotion. The sty bobs are all intense emotion. Friendship, parental, conjugal, servant. There's intense emotion with that. And what to speak of the seven secondary sty bobs, a lot of which sound negative. There is fear. There's disgust. There's anger. There's lamentation, karunaras. There's also joy and comedy, joy, comedy, wonder, chivalry, which we think of positive emotions. And then there's the 33 Ravichari bhavs. Those are sun or sanchari bhavs that are moving through so the person has their basic sti bhav. And then these other sanchari bhavs are moving through them all the time and the emotions are so intense that people are sometimes fainting crying torrents of tears, running to the Yamuna where Krishna's in Kaliya, and they're crying so much that the ground is muddy and they're slipping in it. Have you ever cried that much? I never cried that much. I never cried that much that I made a mud puddle on the ground. So what kind of... Emo- <laughs> what kind of emotions? But those are all play. They're all lila. No more lamentation, just joy. There are all varieties of joy. Just like here in your restaurant, you have varieties of ice cream. How many varieties do you have? How many varieties do you have? Not so many. Enough, he says. You have to go to Dubai. Then you will no longer say you have enough varieties here in Radhadesh. We talked about competition in the career journey. Let's see if you can compete with Dubai. So they have the Govindas. Well, they have, they have chiku ice cream. They have chiku ice cream, my dear friends. They have sitapal ice cream. You know what sitapal is? Ah. You have not lived. Right? There's ice cream places that have, when I was a kid, there was like 33 flavors. How many flavors of ice cream? It's all ice cream, but it's all different flavors. So it's all ecstasy, but different flavors of ecstasy. And if you don't believe that things like sadness can be ecstatic, you can see the imitation in this world where people are trying to enjoy those negative emotions. Right? Oh, I saw this movie. Was it a good movie? Oh, it was a great movie. I cried the whole time. So people have some idea of enjoying the things that are anti-enjoyment in this world. Or people like horror movies or things like that. Actually, that's another way that people try to become peaceful. They try to become peaceful like by entertainment where the bad guys get killed and everybody is happy and they think, I'll be okay. But we get actual joy in living. We We take this platform of peace and then we meditate on Leela and the emotions of Leela. 
And they're not filled with this fear. All right, and then fearlessness, avayam. So what's our fearlessness? This is the 529. Somebody is in charge of everything, and that person is my friend, my best friend. Somebody is in charge of everything, somebody is controlling everything, and that person who's controlling everything is my best friend. Would you have any fear? If that person is controlling everything and they're your best friend. So there's a, a little thing I read in, in a book by a Christian about how to become peaceful. Very good book, by the way. And he writes out, he and his wife and his kids were driving somewhere and they, they put their kids in the car seats and they stop by at a grocery store and his wife gets out, buys some groceries. They stopped at another couple places. They stopped at a petrol station and he gets out and puts petrol in the car. Then they're on the highway and he was driving too fast and a police officer and pulls him over and comes out to the window. And then they're driving along and his three-year-old daughter says, Daddy, where are we going? He says, we're going to see some horses. Okay. And he was thinking all that time, you know, getting out of the house, trapping her in the car, stopping at this place. You know, from her perspective, they're in this thing, it stops, Mommy gets out of the car, Mommy gets back in the car, Mommy gets out, Mommy gets in, Daddy gets out, Daddy does something funny to the car, Daddy gets out again, Daddy gets back in. Then we're driving and some lights flash and some noise happens and somebody comes in the car. And she didn't even know where they were going. She didn't even know. She didn't know what was happening. She didn't know the meaning behind anything that's happening. She didn't know where they were going, but she knew one thing. What did she know? Who was... No, she didn't know that at first. That was later. Who was driving... She knew who was driving. My daddy's driving. Fearlessness. My daddy's driving. My best friend's driving. And he really knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing a lot more than I do. He knows what's good for me. You ever have something bad happen to you that actually was good? And at the time you're like, God, this is awful. And later on, you're like, wow, that was incredibly good. I'm so glad that awful thing happened. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Right? He knows. He knows what he's doing. He knows where he's going. He knows what he's doing. He's completely in control of everything. <clears throat> if somebody hurts us, he had to say, that's okay. He had to sanction it. I've had people try to hurt me who could do nothing. And I've had people try to help me who could do nothing. And I've tried to help people, and I was ineffective. And I hate to admit it, but sometimes I've tried to hurt people and been ineffective. Whether or not we can help or hurt others and whether or not anyone can help or hurt us, it's all up to him, and he knows what he's doing, and he cares, and he loves us, and he's our best friend. So truth, which gives us eternity, Eternality. I am eternal. Freedom from lamentation that gives us joy of being part of Krishna's pastimes, which we can do now. 
and fearlessness, which gives us knowledge that the person who's driving is our best friend and completely in control. So how do we get peace? We get peace by doing the seemingly most unpeaceful thing we could possibly do, the scariest, the scariest thing to do is what will give us peace. The most frightening thing to make ourselves 100% vulnerable in trust to somebody that we can't even clearly see that we don't even clearly know and that we don't even clearly experience. So usually it's gradual. Usually I surrender a little bit and I see what happens. And I'm like, it wasn't so bad. Maybe I'll surrender a little bit more. Oh, maybe not, this is me. But when we do that, when we actually do that, sampare vipane jivane marane, whatever you want to do with me, that's surrender. I don't want to say that to you. I don't want to say, sure, whatever you want, I don't know. If I, nah, you can do this, but not this, and you can do this, but not this. It's scary, isn't it? Isn't it scary? And all the other things we do to bring us peace. And Krishna will say, well, you can keep trying them. You can keep trying all these other things. And eventually, we should come to the point of Mochikanda where we go, I'm done. I'm done trying all these other things. I don't want to try anything on earth. I don't want to try anything in heaven. I don't even want to try anything in the Brahman. I'm done tried them, been there, seen that, done that, and I am now going to do the most scary, risky, outrageous thing. Maybe we can try a little bit today? A little bit? At least tentatively? A little bit more faith? A little bit more trust? Something that's disappointed us over and over again, but we're still attached to, to let go. Somehow or other, to increase our trust, somehow. And to hang out with other people who can increase our trust, because they're lying at the lotus feet of the Lord. So questions, comments, additions, subtractions, chastisements. Maharaj, anything you'd like to say? Yes. It's not the pitfalls of peace, it's the pitfalls of bhakti yoga. The pitfall of bhakti yoga is pride, where you think that you're a better bhakta than other bhaktas, and you blaspheme devotees, and you offend other devotees. That's the pitfall of bhakti. Because, uh, what I was thinking about is that uh, the modes of nature are constantly changing. They are. They're on the court. They are. And sometimes that comes, mm. just like this, mm. without us doing anything special. And then it brings peace. Yeah, we get, you don't get full peace with sattva gun. You have to get to Shuddha Sattva to get full peace. 
Because it's not when you don't get full peace because there's still some pride. I'm so peaceful. That's the, the problem with sattva. Krishna says you get conditioned by a sense of happiness and knowledge. I'm so happy. I'm so peaceful. I know more than everybody else. I see everyone equally, therefore I am better than everyone. Think about that one for a minute. So there's, therefore there's, there's not... And another reason that just material sattva can't bring peace is that we can't absolutely hold on to material sattva. The modes are constantly vying for supremacy. So if material sattva, when material sattva comes on its own, we know that that Rajas and Thomas is coming around the corner. And it does. No matter how sattvic you are, you're going to be hit over the head by Rajas and Thomas sometimes. You just are. It's just what it is. Yes. So there's also some fear. I can't hold on to this. And we see even great sages in the universe who are really in sattva, they sometimes lose it. Don't they? Yes? They sometimes lose it and fall under the control of Rajas or Thomas. We have many examples like that. So one really needs to get to Vishuddha Sattva in order actually to have peace. Although Sattva is much more peaceful than Rajas and Rajas is much more peaceful than Thomas. Thomas is just unmitigated anti-peace. There's, there's no peace in, in Thomas at all. In, in Rajas, there's some little moments where you think, okay, I got it together. I'm peaceful. Anybody else? In the book, you mentioned that surrender is usually uh, gradual. Usually. Right? Generally. Yeah. If you could surrender fully instantly, you'd instantly become Krishna conscious. But don't do it artificially. Krishna doesn't like that and he'll you're, you will not like the response that you get. I did that twice. Don't do that, please. Don't, don't say to Krishna, I fully surrender to you, if you don't mean it, because he knows you don't mean it. And he'll take one of your attachments and he'll shake it really hard. And then you go, no, I didn't mean it. He, he, doesn't, he really doesn't like dishonesty and, and, and inauthenticity. Really just doesn't like it. Really, he'd much prefer you say, can I have the red car and the beautiful girl and the house by the sea and someday come to love you too? He'd much rather you do that than, than lie and go to him and say, I don't want the red car that I want and I don't want the beautiful girl that I want and I, I just want you. And he's, he'll, he'll say, really? And he'll show you that you're a liar and it, it's, it's, it's an unpleasant thing. So usually, usually surrender is gradual. But if you can really do the whole thing, honestly do it, then everything's finished at one go. I remember once uh, Satsuk Maharaj was giving a class and my godbrother Pragosh, not the Irish Pragosh, my godbrother Pragosh, says, why is it gradual? And Satsuk Maharaj looked at him and said, you know why it's gradual. We all know why it's gradual. So that's okay. I mean, it's okay. It has to be okay, because it is what it is. So it's okay. But at least make progress. 
Little drops of water, wear away stone. Make progress, something, 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 something. Every day, a little something. Try every hour, a little something. And eventually, I mean, I also think of it like a, if you have, an, you're talking about weeds, right? Did you say weeds? So, you know, we have these weeds, at least my weeds, some of them are as big as banyan trees and redwood trees. And, you know, and, and I surrender like a branch of it. Okay, Krishna, I'll give you this branch. Okay. And this branch, and this branch, and this branch. And gradually the tree gets weak. And eventually Krishna says, can we pull it up by the roots now? This prayer that we, uh, I remember the Gurukul, we were teaching the children to say, from, from this day I am yours. That from this day on I am yours? Or maybe you could say That's nice, but, be, but, be, but please be authentic. Please be authentic. Please be authentic. Please be authentic. What is his lotus feet giving us? Truth. Truth. Paramsatvam Dimahi, you're dealing with the supreme absolute truth who's in your heart and knows everything. The only person we're fooling is ourself if we're not authentic with Krishna. Be truthful. Better to go to Krishna with our nonsense, garbage, material desires than to pretend we don't have them. That's far, far superior. But aim towards full surrender. At least progress toward it and try to hang out with people like Srila Prabhupada through his books, through his lectures who have full surrender. That gives us a lot of faith. Oh, that person did it and they didn't get, you know, they're happy. <laughs> it really wasn't that scary. It just looks scary. We read the scriptures. We read about people who fully surrender and we'll go, oh, they, they were actually happy they did it. Oh, maybe I'll be happy if I do it. Kind of like when I was a kid and I was visiting my cousin's and they went to a swimming pool with a high dive. And I've always been, been hesitant with heights. But I don't know, somehow they convinced me to go up the ladder, the high dive. 15, 20 minutes, I'm just kind of... And I'm watching other people jump, and I'm watching other people jump, and finally, 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 I jumped. Wow. I couldn't wait to run up the ladder and jump again, and I couldn't wait to run up the ladder and jump again, and I couldn't wait to run up the ladder and jump again. So take a jump. Something. Something that you can do authentically. It's got to be authentic. If it's not authentic, it won't work. Some of you can do authentically. Make a little jump that you can do authentically. And then, wow. That didn't actually hurt. And then that gives you the faith to make another little jump. It gives you the faith to make another little jump. And hopefully, eventually, we do the whole thing. And hopefully, we do it before we have to get into another room. Yeah? Hopefully we can do it before the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle before we have to go into another room. Yes, this is the last one, and then we'll end. Uh, By the way, your clock here has majorly the wrong time. Yes? Uh, just about the majority uh, of the that go back, and could that be like one of those examples of steps towards surrendering to and how to notice, uh, how to understand it as Boga or not Boga offering 
Oh, and in fact, actually, there's uh, places where Prabhupada says, like, if Krishna loves you, he takes everything away, and if he really, really loves you, he gives you everything to use in his service. How do you enjoy it as prasadam? It's my Lord's. It's his. It's his house. That's the idea of having deities in our house. It's his house. It's for his enjoyment. I get to live here in the servants' quarters. You know, I get to drive his car. The Beatles had a song like that, Baby, I Can Drive Your Car. You know, I get to drive his car. I get to live in his house. I get to eat what he's eaten. I mean, think of all the people who line up to get a little piece of cloth from some celebrity, you know. Wow, he's given me these clothes. Think, think about it, you know, when someone you love gives you something. And whenever you use it, you think about them. You think, oh, like, like this devotee made these cushions from my Sheila's. She hand-embroidered them. And she's very clever, because she knows that means every time I see my Sheila's and do puja, I'm going to think about her. It was a very clever, manipulative. I know, I know you're listening, too. So, you know, it's like that, that it, it, this, we relate it, right? Just like we were talking about Krishna meditations, which we have, I think, three books. We have three books left? Two books left. So it's like that. Then we see this is, this is I'm not just enjoying the sunrise and sunset. Oh, that's Krishna's clothes moving through the sky. These are Krishna's hair. This is Krishna's artistry. This is Krishna's intelligence. And we grow in love for him while we're using it. Oh, this is something Krishna ate. This is, his, this is his, this, what he tastes like. Should I tell you a little secret? Should I tell you a little secret? Or you're all going to kill me now because it's nine? <laughs> so in Madhurya Kadambani, in the eighth shower, which is Prema, and this is also discussed in the Chachar Sloki, I think in the last Chachar Sloki, and I can't remember whose commentary, it may also be Vishnath Chakravati Thakura, but it may be Sanatana Goswami, I can't remember. So the devotee in Prema, first they see the Lord's beauty and they're overwhelmed and all their senses become like eyes and then they smell the Lord and all their senses become like a nose and then they hear the Lord and all their senses become like ears. And in that commentary on the last of the Chatra Sloki in the Bhagavatam by one of our Acharyas, and I cannot remember who it is, was saying that Krishna enjoys that. Don't we enjoy that? If someone says, you're looking really good. You smell really nice. You're really smart. So Krishna enjoys that. He wants to be this. He wants us to enjoy him in love. Not to enjoy him exploiting, but to enjoy him in love. He wants that. What is the greatest gift someone can give us? The greatest gift someone can give us is to find happiness in us. Like I haven't traveled for years and seen people I haven't seen. Oh, Armila, I'm so happy to see you. That's the greatest gift. Oh, I my existence gives pleasure to somebody. Wow. That's what Krishna wants to feel, that his existence gives. So all these things we see, this is Krishna. It's Krishna's gift, Krishna's mercy. How is Krishna? We find happiness that it's Krishna. Boga is I'm trying to steal it from him and enjoy it myself. 
like I'm staying in a room in the college. I mean, it would be a little inconvenient, I guess, but if I thought, oh, this is a really nice office chair, let me take it. <laughs> it's a little big, it would be kind of inconvenient, and I'm sure they'd notice as I was putting it in the car to take it away. But if I'm thinking, oh, how, how wonderful the devotees are that they provided me this facility. How wonderful Radhakopina thought that they provided me with this facility. Then everything connects us with Krishna and then there's no pride. And there's no lamentation. And if they want to take it away, well, it was never mine to begin with. My joy wasn't in the thing. My joy wasn't in the, the sensory pleasure. My joy wasn't in the thing. My joy was in the relationship with Krishna. Does that make sense to everybody? And then whether he takes it or gives it away, it doesn't matter. My joy is in the relationship with Krishna. All right? I can tell you more stories, but we have to take personal. Thank you very much. Shri Prabhupada Ki